Hello, this is Laura Neal. Welcome to the third week of Math for Knitters. I'd like to start out by thanking all of the wonderful people who have left comments on the site and also to the various podcasters that have played my promo. That includes the Craftborg, Moshknit, Cast On, Knitter Gale, and Craft Sanity. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Also, I would like to say that I am in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I really enjoy living here, and I love the community here, both from a general standpoint and the knitting standpoint. There are very many wonderfully talented people who live here. So if you uh, want to stop by on Tuesday nights at Barnes & Noble, we are usually there from 7 o'clock on. All right, so this week we are talking about waist shaping, adding waist shaping to a sweater. This is fairly straightforward arithmetic and is good practice for the beginning mathematical knitter. Brenda Dane mentioned in one of her podcasts that a sweater that she had made that she did not design actually had the waist shaping in the wrong place. This is frankly the most difficult thing to determine when you are doing waist shaping is exactly where it should go especially if it is a very fitted sort of sweater. I personally am very fortunate that I have a sweater that is commercially made that fits me to a T. I just measured it <laughs> to learn how to do my own waist shaping, which was very cool and very easy. If you do not have a sweater like that, then you will have to start a little more from scratch. But of course, we all begin in the same way by making a very large, very thorough gauge swatch. Some people even do their sleeves first so, that, so that, that they will be absolutely certain that their gauge is correct for what they think it will be. I measured my actual sweater and discovered that my waist shaping, which means both in and out, took about 10 inches from start to finish which means that I would have five inches in order to decrease and then five more to, to increase out again, which in the sweater I was designing was 32 rounds. One note, this is all going to be done in the round. If you are doing it flat, please keep that in mind and I will try to be as clear about that as possible. Also, I wanted five inches of decreasing, which for this sweater was 24 stitches. That's kind of a, a funky gauge. That's 4.8 stitches to the inch, and I believe 6.4 rounds to the inch. Those are awfully precise measurements. Fortunately, I did not have to actually measure that precisely. I just measured five inches across and 10 inches up and got my gauge from there. So since we were working in the round, or since I was working in the round, I knew that for every decrease round, I would have four decreases. So each set of decreases gives me four because I would have two in the front and two in the back of the sweater. So if I take the number of stitches that I'm going to decrease, which was 24, and divided it by four, which gave me six sets of decreases. Now, if you don't have an actual sweater, you are gonna have to draw a schematic of the sweater that you are designing. Or, or that you are altering either way. You need to write down the major, major numbers like the width of the chest at the widest, the width of the cast on, 
the weight. We'll work on the waist later, but first we're going to get everything else in. For right now, you can skip the sleeves, although it's a good idea to check those numbers as well before you get started. The very, very important measurement that we need right now is the distance between the top of the shoulder, which is usually the back, the very top part of the back, and also the very top part of the front, and the bottom of the sweater. We need that measurement. And then you need to get an honest, helpful person who will measure you from the top of your shoulder to where you want your waist to be the smallest on your sweater. Not where you want your waist to be the smallest on you, although they should probably be very, very close together, if not the same. Then you need to ask that very helpful, kind person to go away so that you can measure. Oh, wait. They should also measure from your shoulder to where the sweater is, gonna, is going to hit you on your body. That's important to know for the next step. And from your schematic, you'll know how many inches that is. Is it 17? Is it 19? Is it 15? Is it 12? You need to know that number. So, and rem remember where that is. For me, it's usually about the top of my underwear <laughs> or the top of my jeans. If you have a tunic length sweater or a very short sweater, you ne obviously need to pay attention to those numbers as well. So you ask that person to leave and you take your measuring tape and you measure how wide you are at the lowest point of that sweater. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell anybody. And if you write it in your notebook, you can write it with a, a bit of code like hits at equals, or you can just erase it after you're done. But you do need that number right now. You need that number and you need the number of where you really want the waist to hit, where you want the smallest part of the waist of the sweater to be, you need to know how big you are there. And it turns out for me that when I just tried this, and I, I hope this is not just me being very, very strange, the difference between those two measurements was five inches, which happens to be the same as the sweater that I adore and the sweater that I made. Hopefully that will give you at least a starting point if that seems like it's going to be too snug, feel free to monkey with the numbers. You know, make it a, a little bit wider if that helps you. I like to take the tape and put it at the measurement that I think I'm going to use and just hold it around my waist and see what that looks like. Try to imagine. Try to imagine how that will feel. So that will give you a starting point. Now that you know how many stitches to decrease or how far to decrease, you must figure out how far the narrowest part of the sweater is from the bottom of the sweater. On my sweater, it was about five inches, which means that I pretty much had to start decreasing for the waist right away. I ended up adding some feather and fan lace to the bottom of the sweater which made it a bit longer but that wasn't such a bad thing that looks pretty good i would look at the entire distance between the underarm and the lowest part of the sweater or the thinnest part of the sweater and then i would see what that distance is is it seven inches is it five is it ten is it twelve whatever it's got to be something you look at that distance and you think do i want a very gradual sort of waist shaping, so then I probably want to take up the whole distance. Do I want a very sharp, narrow 
waist decrease, in that case, you might start a little later and make your decreases more often and more about that later. Now you have all of your numbers. You know how far you're going to decrease and increase and how long you have to do it. So now is the fun part. Now is the math. So in my example, I had 32, 32 rows to go in or rounds and I had six sets of decreases. 32 divided by 6 is not a whole number. It's 5.33333. Well, that doesn't work. I can't do it every 5.333 rows or rounds. So instead, I just take two of those rows out and say 30 divided by 6 is 5. So then I'm going to decrease by 5. Or, I'm sorry. <laughs> then I'm going to decrease every fifth row or round. The convenience of knitting in the round is that you can make it an odd number like that. It can be 5 or 7 or 9 or 3. Any of those numbers work because you're knitting in the round anyway and it doesn't matter which way you're facing. If you are working flat, you have more work to do. You may have to decide in this example that you want to decrease every sixth round. That will make your decreases take 6 times 6 equals 36 rounds, which will make a more gradual slope, which means you'll have to start them sooner. If you make it 4, that 6 times 4 is 24, it's a more drastic slope, and you'll have to start your decreases later. So it's just a matter of how you want to do it. In the worst case scenario for this particular sweater, I would have had 35 rows to decrease in, which would mean I would have 6 times 5 equals 30, plus 5 extra rows left over. Now in this case, that is still a little bit less than an inch, but with my figure, which is curvy, to say the least, I would not want an entire inch of the very narrowest part of my sweater. So in that case, I would still leave the two rounds in the middle of my waist shaping to give it just a little chance to breathe before I started increasing again. And I would probably start the shaping two or three rows later and then just be done at the top, basically allowing uh, that the waist to move a, a little bit higher. If you are working in a very large gauge, like say two stitches to the inch, you may have to do quite a lot of number juggling to make this work. And I suggest that when you are done, you might even chart it out on graph paper to make sure that you have, have it, to make sure that it makes sense to you. Because in that case, any error is going to be very obvious and you want to be careful there. If you are working in a pattern stitch, you need to be careful and decide how you're going to handle all those decreases and increases. What I like to do is have virtual side seams that work as kind of visual placeholders in the sweater, which means that I have markers marking where the front and the back would begin and end if I were knitting in the f in flat, like knitting back and forth. And I leave one stitch on either side of that marker completely alone. I do my decreases on either side of those. Once you get used to that, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And I like the way that it looks, but I also like the fact that it gives, I feel like it makes the decreases look a little smoother 
and also makes them a little bit more fun and visually appealing. If you are a big fan of Elizabeth Zimmerman, you may like to have, instead of basically that leaves two stitches alone, you might try to figure out a way to get yourself to leave three alone, which would give you one central stitch, which you could drop as a phony seam when you hit the armholes, which might work for you. I don't know. Obviously, if you're working a cable pattern or any other sort of pattern, having some stitches kind of left to themselves could help you keep track of where you are and what you're doing and not get so mixed up. I personally have not tried this yet with a patterned stitch like a cable ribbing or even a lace or anything like that because I haven't made that kind of sweater yet. But if you did do that, I think it might be worthwhile to, as you go, make sure you're keeping track of where the beginning and ending of the pattern is with relation to your decreases and increases. Probably the most foolproof way to do that would be to have graph paper where you just kind of virtually knit the sweater first, where you say, okay, when I get to this row, I'm going to decrease. And that means that this yarn over isn't going to happen or that this cable is going to disappear or that half of this cable is going to disappear and figure out how you're going to deal with that before you start. Obviously, if you are a fly-by-the-seat-of-her-pants kind of gal or guy, that won't be necessary because you'll just do it as you go. So that's pretty much waist shaping. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. The show's blog is math4knitters, that's four with the, the number four, dot blogspot.com. And I have a promo here to play for you at the end, so stick around if you feel like it. Also, I will have some photos up of my blue sweater that I was describing to you in terms of the gauge, and I might get brave and show you also my notes from that project. Well, happy knitting, and I will see you next week. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Jennifer Ackerman Haywood inviting you to check out my Craft Sanity podcast. It's a weekly interview show featuring creative people. Tune in for some behind-the-scenes tales from inspiring people living creative lives. Then check out CraftSanity.com for free patterns and project how-to supplied by my talented guests. I hope you'll join me for a weekly dose of inspiration to live a long and crafty life. I'd love to Craft Sanity with you. Visit CraftSanity.com. Subscribe to the podcast there or at the iTunes Music Store. Just do a search for Craft Sanity. Craft Sanity.